there and welcome to this week's Frankly Golf podcast. This is podcast number 26. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas and as the US Open gets underway uh, we thought it would be cool to talk um, about the US Open. Frank's got some interesting stories to share with us. Um, Frank, you went to your first US Open as technical director at Winged Foot. That's right. Back in... 1974. 19... Wow, 1974. That's right. That's quite a while ago. Quite a while ago. So how many US Opens do you think you've attended in total over uh, the years? I think at least 30. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. So when you think about the US Open, if I just say the words, Frank, US Open, what do you think about? Uh, my mind has changed about it because in 1974 it was a... A wonderful event that you, you, people could find the place, you could park, you could do everything else. Now it's become a huge event. Uh, you know, the merchandise, the commercial aspects of it, the um, hospitality tents, uh, it's become so large that it's a major event, an absolute major event. So I think the enormity of it has, has uh, affected me significantly. Yeah. And what would you say, if you think about the golf that's played, I mean, what would you say would be the most exciting win that you've seen over the years, one that kind of sticks out to you? I think of all of them, I, I, I remember uh, 1980 at Baltimore when Jack Nicholas won. He played all four rounds with Isaiah Aoki. And uh, he won the event and he won $55,000. Imagine that. <laughs> this, what is it this year? This this year is the winner's going to get two point two five million dollars. Yeah, that's quite a difference. That that kind of um, sums up the the commercial aspect, the uh, the hospitality, the popularity. Um, that's that's an amazing uh, difference. Um, uh, do you do you have Frank over the years a sort of favourite U.S. Open course that stands out to you? I I think. Um, the uh, Shinnecock is probably the most favourite uh, that I have. All of them are very good. Uh, they they were selected. They're very good golf courses. Some of them are more difficult than others, and they have a different approach. But I think I like uh, Shinnecock. And I know that for many years you would go out in the morning with a PJ boat right and and assist in setting some of the whole locations and that was an interesting process you went through. Can you share some of that with us? Yeah, um, the, each green was divided up into four seg segments, so it was four zones, and the degree of difficulty they were numbered one, two, three, four, and uh, the the whole locations were set up such that uh, the numbers one, two, three, or four, were all added up for each nine, and they came to the same amount. So the degree of difficulty of each nine was the same. Uh, so it was very well organized, very well uh, laid out. And PJ used to go out there with his paint, paint can and uh, in the morning, and he put the paint can down. He said, this is where it is. This is zone number one area. And he would putt with his cash and putter towards the can. And... Uh, as a matter of fact, it reminds me of uh, when we were in 1976, 77, uh, I think it was 76, PJ and I were setting a camp for a U.S. amateur. And he came to me, he said, Thomas, he called me Thomas because he didn't ever call me Frank. He said, Thomas, these greens are fast. I said, well, PJ, how fast are they? He said, faster than last year, 
So I said, PJ, well, how fast were they last year? He said, slower than this year. <laughs> so, so I knew right then that I had to speed up on my work on the stimp meter. Uh, that was a, a fascinating uh, project. And I mean, once you had the stimp meter in hand, I know that, I mean, I never met PJ Boatwright, but I know he was sort of a, a traditionalist. And um, did he make use of the stimp meter, Frank? Did he like it? Oh, yeah, eventually, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, he he could now quantify the speed of green. Not only that, but the, the, the agronomy, ag agronomic practices were getting so great, so good, that they were, uh, the greens were very fast or or very good, but we found that certain zones of the greens may have been different. So the only way you could tell that was through the stimp meter. Yeah. And so they managed to either double mow or, or in some cases triple mow some zones that had been re-sodded sometime even three or four years prior to that. But it was recognized on the speed of the green. So no, it was a very good introduction and, and it was Eddie Simpson's idea initially. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, uh, was asked by the green section to develop a device to measure the speed of greens and they came up with some ideas but they weren't as practical as uh, Eddie Simpson's concept so I took his concept and redesigned it completely and um, uh, then but but out of uh, using the same concept we called it the Stimpit in respect for Eddie Simpson. And he did it in 1935 and we introduced it and started working with him in 1977. Now it's used all over the world. That's amazing, and um, you know, do you, do you think that uh, when when you look at you know this week the undulations at Winged Foot are quite considerable with it being a Tillinghas course? I mean, green speed's going to be quite important to keep control of the green speed. Yeah, that was one of the problems we've had with the stimp meter when I introduced it. I I knew it was going to be a bit of a problem, going to be used as a speedometer, and. Uh, uh, some of the some of the superintendents didn't like it because of that. People wanting their greens faster than anybody else's greens. But uh, when we uh, reason will eventually prevail, and people recognise that on undulating greens you cannot have really fast greens. Otherwise, you remove uh, half of the hole location potential hole location on a green. Mm -hmm. Now I notice that now this year uh, and the. the Greens at Wingford were now restored into what they were originally designed by Tillinghast. Mm -hmm. And uh, the undulations are there. And and uh, that means that the greens are, should not get any faster than about 12 feet, if that, because of those undulations. It's, it's actually, you should go on to the USG website where they show the work that they did in restoring the greens in the process. It's, it's pretty interesting, mm -hmm. the work that went into it, a lot of work. I congratulate them. It was a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, now, you've got an interesting story, Frank, about um, Pinehurst in 1999. You uh, happened to be out on the golf course and... Uh, met Payne Stewart while you were out there. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'd known Payne and he worked for us uh, uh, doing some work on, on uh, grooves. Uh, but um, he was out there on a Tuesday and uh, he was out in his shorts and he was playing. But he wasn't playing golf, He was, but he went around every hole and I happened to bump into him because I was doing the same thing, working around the golf course. And uh, he only had two clubs in his, in his bag, in his hand. There were two wedges. He didn't have even have a putter. He just had those two clubs 
and he was just practicing chipping up onto the green and getting back up. So this very short game, and obviously it paid off because he won it. Yeah, fantastic. What a great story. Now, I know that you um, were fortunate enough, um, you know, immediately after the Open in many cases to, to play some of these championship venues um, immediately after the pros played. Can you uh, tell us what that was like? <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, it was wonderful to be able to try and uh, play the golf course that the pros, the best in the world, had played the day before right. in the same hole locations and the same condition that the golf course was in. And and only when you do that would you have the respect that these uh, pros deserve because they are superstars, absolutely superstars. Uh, it, was, it was the most humiliating experience I've had. <laughs> but there's a more important question, Frank. Did you shoot your age? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> your age now or your age then? <laughs> Both added together, I didn't. Well, listen, we hope you enjoyed that and we hope you learned something. Um, we enjoyed this week's podcast, so um, enjoy uh, the US Open uh, this weekend. Uh, we'll be back next week, but until then... May the frog be with you. <laughs>